To keep up with the rising costs of hosting the Hockey Hurts podcast, we encourage you to voluntarily support the podcast by visiting our Hockey Hurts Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash hockey hurts. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for May 28th of 2016. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And in this edition of the podcast, we will preview the Stanley Cup final between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the San Jose Sharks. And we will also talk about some of the World Cup roster choices. Garbage. Garbage. <laughs> Garbage. <laughs> some teams haven't done as well as others. Um, we are going to start with the Stanley Cup final preview. Uh, we had a podcast about two days ago where we talked the morning of game seven between Tampa and Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh was fortunate enough to come out with a victory. I thought they were the better team, but we all know that the better team doesn't always win in those situations. It, it, it definitely got a little dicey towards the end, but um, <laughs> Hey, isn't that how the playoffs go? So uh, we're gonna we're gonna preview this series between Penguins and Sharks, and and before we preview it, I'm just gonna say, I think it's a really awesome pair of teams that made the final. I think it's it's gonna make for some fun hockey based on the strengths of both teams. Yeah, no, it's it's gonna be great. It, it was like I wanted it to be Dallas and Pittsburgh, but San Jose plays a very similar style. They've just got better goaltending than what Dallas has. So, for for me, it, it should be really, really fun. Both both teams play to win, as opposed to avoiding a loss. So, really, really happy to see two teams that are aggressive, have speed. You've already discussed the San Jose power play previously. To see that thing live and not wanting to see it succeed is going to be hell as a Penguins fan. But it should be really, really good hockey. It'll be interesting to see what line matchups both coaches go with. There's just so much involved in, in this series. It'll be great fun. And I think both teams kind of avoid the junk and focus on just playing. And I think it, with the exception of the, the Callahan hit in Game 1, I thought Pittsburgh and Tampa just played. They, yeah, they really did. good. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. They, it, it, and I think that's why that series was was so enjoyable. It was the the games that that the Pittsburgh lost that I watched. I couldn't watch Game Five. Um, were, were still quality games to, to to watch. Like it was still good hockey both ways. So, as a Penguins fan, you're upset that they lose those games, but as a general hockey fan, you go, this was quality to watch. So you can't complain. I'm super excited for the final. Star power. Star power, star power. Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, Letang, Thornton, Marlowe, Pavelski, Burns. Cheap goalies. Yeah. (laughs) It kind of checks off all the boxes we love to talk about. It does. It does. So let's – you want to break it down by – Position? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So forwards. Pittsburgh, totally drastically different than in the past few years. Um, they have guys that are on the fringe that can contribute, um, namely 
Game 7 heroes like Brian Rust, <laughs> I mean, Zach Sill and Tanner Glass were not going to do that for the Penguins. No. Even if they were playing with Malkin. Which I think at sometimes Glass was, which is insane. But anyways. He's, he, he maxed Talbotted it. Yeah, playing up, right? Playing up with playing up with Malkin, so playing above where you're generally wanting to be in the lineup, but has enough skill to, to handle the role in, in, in short spurts, so three or four game spurts. So it's, it's one of those things where people always sort of tried to compare the 2009 Penguins team to the other ones that went through, and the further they got away from that 2019, the less and less depth that team had. So they didn't have that flexibility. Like, we all know Geno's injured, and we all know that he's not shooting the puck. Doesn't mean he still can't make great plays. Um, and Rust did what Rust needed to do. They needed somebody else rather than the superstars to do the job because pucks were bouncing over their sticks. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the, the Max Delwick comparison's great because I, I had been comparing Rust to Tyler Kennedy, and I still do believe stylistically He's more like a Tyler Kennedy, but oh yeah, he just but, shoots but in that every... big moment, two goals, game seven, yeah, that the, the Max Talbot comparisons are, are very valid. And I know in my writing and on this podcast that I've said Brian Russ cannot play with Evgeny Malkin if you want to maximize Evgeny um, Malkin. Yeah, and I'm not gonna like pull away from that thought, but boy, in that in that game seven. Um, I'll have to sit back and say, you know what, I was, I was wrong for that game, but I still do think long term, if you want to maximize Malkin, you may, you may want to do something else there. But no, well, you want a sprawl there. That's the reality. That's what they want to have have happen in that situation. You put Russ down in that bottom six, and he's brilliant down in that role. He, he fits exactly what you want from a player in that role. You push him up to a second or a first line, and he's a little bit out of his depth. It's just the reality of, of the way the salary cap works. Yeah, I like the um, Kuhnhackel Cullen Russ line better than the Kuhnhackel um, Cullen Fair line. It, it, it's hilarious. Both you and I were, were really happy with Eric Fair being brought in by Pittsburgh this year. But yeah, yeah, I have no regrets about saying that. They, they were so no. bad in their depth. Like, they had such shit players in their depth. Like, Eric Fair is not a bad player. They just have fallen ass backwards into some better options. Yeah, but you, you look at what Eric Fair has actually produced. At the, like, at the start of the year, even when they sort of transitioned over to Mike Sullivan, for me, Benino and Eric Fair were the two guys that had probably underwhelmed for me the most. Now, we know what's happened with Benino, and it's been a fantastic transition, and his Twitter feed is very good when you get to see it. Eric Fair, on the other hand, though, I think he's just got a little lost in the lineup. He's not the quickest of skaters, and he gets a little bit left behind at times, and they've got him for another year um, on that con. Oh, did they go three? I thought it was two. Okay, so they've got him for another two years. So that's going to be an interesting transition for him. Not a hard trade in- if they wanted to go their route, and I'm not in advocating for that trade just in this moment, but I don't think that's an unmovable thing if they were to choose to do that. I don't, look, they may not even have to. I mean, no, no it's just, exactly, but yeah. I'm just saying, that's not like, oh my God, I can't believe they signed this guy. Like, so signing if, Tanner Glass to three years. 
if that's their if that's their worst sort of decision they have to try and come up with in regards to moving an asset that they wish they didn't still have, then they're doing okay. But that's why they're in the uh, final. <laughs> yeah, right? well, that's that's exactly right. They don't have an egregious contract that sticks out like dog's balls and go, what the fuck? And, and because and it's the same it's the same with San Jose. I don't think they have a contract that you sit there and go, what the fuck? Whereas you look at some of these other it's same with Tampa. Tampa really don't. And, and St. Louis. Well, Tampa's got Matt Caro and stuff like that. Sorry, but. you're right. He, he's yeah, you're right. He is. And then the Callahan contract in itself is probably a little bit the same. You're right. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't want to. <laughs> Tough for me to beat up the hometown boy, but yeah, I know, I know. Um, but then you look at you look at St. Louis, and it's like, where's their egregious contract in amongst that roster? And I just, you might be able to reel off the top of your head, but I can't see one there that you look at and go, there's a really big hole in that roster because of X. No, no, because of the St. Louis, like the other oh, conference finals. Um. Well, I'll pull up the roster now and cheat. Oh, come on, man. I do all this out of my head. Steve at it, 2.6 ain't helping him. <laughs> no. Look, but he's, I think true. he's done. So that's a yeah. whatever. Yeah, he is. But I, yeah, and so you, you look at that and you go, these are the teams that don't have those albatrosses. The, the two that are left don't have those massive albatrosses. You might make that argument about Nick Spalling, um, but they're not they're not terrible contracts that are, that are in there, at least for this particular season. Paul Martins might become a problem later on. But in the now, everything looks really good for both of these rosters. And it is amusing that the goaltenders that have, have taken them there are really, really cheap. Funny how that works. I just wanted to bring it up because, you know, you've mentioned it quite a lot. So St. Louis was cheap. And and fine. Actually, um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Dave Lozo on... Um, Twitter compared Brian Elliott to Ketchup. What? Yep, Ketchup is great. Like everybody's cool with Ketchup, and and like you you really like Ketchup, but you're always trying to find something better. Brilliant analogy. Yeah, I thought awesome. so. I thought so. And, that is awesome. <laughs> right. So Brian Elliott's like Ketchup, whereas the Blues had ketchup, and keep trying to find this other sauce, but the other Must sauces it? they go for, I don't even know what example I would bring up right now, but they haven't been good. Uh, they keep trying to find something that's been reduced for 12 hours, and it, you pour it over, and it costs you 45 bucks. So it's not worked. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But I thought that was that. a good analogy of it. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Ken Hitchcock thinking that switching goalies has some magical power is 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 classic old school uh, think tank stuff because pittsburgh switched goalies and um lost game five was it yeah it was game five flurry went in and and they kicked ass in the third they almost came back flurry made seven of seven saves great that was fine flurry goes in uh i'm sorry that was game four. No, Fleury came in in game four but started game five. I okay, so, yeah. Well, 
Tampa was down in game six and seven and did not have to switch goalies. And magically in the third period when they were down, they did really well. Almost as if score effects have more of an impact than a spark of a goalie change. I mean, <laughs> crazy to think, but... It's not a hill you're going to die on, but it's a point you do need to keep making. It's like, come on. Goalie changes for sparks. Just play your best guy. I think the Blues really... Brian Elliott's played well for them for a number of years, and to play those kind of games, I don't like it. No, no. He's but, never really been anywhere he's played. But they're out. So, off of the Blues. No offense. No, we got we've Stanley got Cup Final left. to talk about. We, we said we were going to talk about the forwards like 10 minutes Shit, ago. Shit, sorry. That was my fault. <laughs> so we were going to talk about the forwards 10 minutes ago. So forward groupings for both teams. I think they're pretty close, but I think Pittsburgh's a little bit deeper. I think both teams have three capable centers if they want to split them. So you got Crosby, Malcolm, Benino, and I think you have Thornton, uh, Couture, Marlowe, not in that order. I, I think Marlowe is better than, well, I, I don't know. Jumble it how you want. Thornton's the best, and then if you want to say Couture or Marlowe. But they could separate it like that. They're not currently doing that. But much like how I've advocated for Crosby and Malkin playing together at times, both teams very similar in how they could structure their forwards. I actually think that if, if San Jose do go to that, for want of a better way to put it, the sort of like the two lines, so rather than going three centers, they go two centers, so they obviously stack one to the left or the right of the other two centers. I think that plays in the Pittsburgh's favor because I think they should play Malkin and Crosby together. And if, if San Jose do that, then Pittsburgh should feel more confident being able to do that and not get burnt, if that makes sense. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to go that route based on Brian Russ' Game 7. And I'm okay with them rolling with that in Game 1, but I hope they understand that I think Malkin's ready to like break out, break out, and he needs a little bit of help to do it. Well, he can't shoot the puck. I think he can. I don't think it's quite Geno. But he he took a freaking slap shot bomb last game. I think he yeah, can I... shoot. I don't think he's like as aggressive with it. The opportunities that he normally is, but I think he can like if he's got a look, he can he can do it. Yeah, but I I'm assuming the mechanics of a slap shot don't involve your elbows anywhere near as much as a wrist shot. And I think that's I think that's been his biggest problem. Any of those sort of half slappers, wristers, all those sorts of things. I think it just hurts too much. Like you can get through handling the park and 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 doing all those sorts of things, but when it comes to you know flicking a wrister, I think it just hurts a lot. Like he's he's been really reluctant when he's got into particular spots to shoot it. But the slap shot, yeah, he just rip you know he just rips it. I agree with that. The opposition isn't going to take the chance that that assessment no, is no, correct. No. So, and he's such an excellent passer that it's mm. it's a wonderful dynamic. 
But if he's going to dish it, the next guy has to be able to do something with it. And to Brian Russ' credit, Evgeny Malkin caught that long, modest stretch pass, gained the zone, dropped it to Kunitz. Kunitz, once again, high hockey IQ, gets it over to Rust in the slot, and all the credit in the world, he he hit his shot, and and that was a great play. Yeah, no, it was. You get there when you see the amount of space that Rust had going down the middle. That pass from Kunitz had to be weighted perfectly because if he overshoots that pass, Kunitz and Malkin are flat on the blue line. Rust has gone by the puck with speed. The puck's going the other way. You know, so the the skill level involved in that pass from Kunitz can't be overstated. I think. Well. The, the actual physical pass, tremendously easy. The awareness to know he's coming is is where Kunitz is is a good good player. Knowing that he was there was was the key to that play. Because you're just putting it into an area for the guy to skate into. It's not it's not too hard to do, but he knew, and um, that's what makes him good. And that's he's on a five-game point streak, Chris Kunitz. How about plays Malkin? Didn't he? Yeah, you wouldn't know it though, would you? No, it does. It does show you what expectation of what a player can do to what he's actually doing. Um, warps your perception of what his output actually is. It's like everyone's sort of like, well, Malkin's underperformance. Well, he's got five. He's got point in five games. What else do you need him to do? Like two points a game. And I get it. There's there's been turnovers and they're very visceral yeah. and you're like, oh my god, Gino, what? And the penalty, <laughs> like the slashing penalty on Callahan, it's like, Gino, he went come nuts. On. Well, he got he got slashed. I I, I get that. I, I I fully get that. But God, I don't think I've seen him like that angry and, and that res, that reactive in a while. Like he was angry as when he went back it was like holy crap you know if you've ever been hit with a slash like that you know (laughs) you know i i'm not even going to pretend i probably would have done what he did (laughs) (laughs) in fact i guarantee it (laughs) wouldn't you have been the person doing the first slash yeah yeah no doubt about it but I still advocate for that being called. <laughs> no, I, I know, I know. I get that. Don't let don't let scumbags like me get away with that shit. <laughs> so, um, as far as the forwards are concerned, I would give a slight edge to Pittsburgh because because I look at the Sharks' fourth line and I see a former Penguin on there. <laughs> I see Nick's balling, and he's like a 45% possession guy, and it's like he's the classic example of why Pittsburgh has failed all these years, right? Like, is he not one of the, the prime, not the prime, but... He's the, he's the less worse version of guys like Glass and Adams towards the end of Less Adams. worse is a great way of putting it, but at the same time, less worse of those... Still means you suck. <laughs> You're not wrong. And and Zubris, I don't know. I mean, 
we're talking Spalling and Zubris on the fourth line, and and, and we're the, Pittsburgh's coming with like Cullen <laughs> on the fourth line. It's like yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't just, know. It comes down to perception for me at times. In that, like, I think before the podcast we were talking about Eric Fair, or we were doing it just before, and I just I don't know where. I don't know where to put some of these players when you, you go head to head against San Jose. I don't know if you had to rank them one to eighteen. You know, the top nine of each team would be sort of like alternating, if you know what I mean. Yep. Then you get you get to the bottom, you get to the last six players, and it's like, does it go Pittsburgh, 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 San Jose, San Jose, San Jose, or does it alternate through there again? And it's funny that whatever those bottom lines do might be the bottom lines and the bottom pairings are probably going to decide the series i would um i know bennett got into one game but i would i would i would really think about a bennett fair switch at some point in time oh you're gonna cop some flack for that i know but in this kind of series we're talking speed skill fairs a little bit um, heavier legs, so to speak. I just think um, that might not be a bad idea. Is something that something to think about, not necessarily execute right away. But Is that under the assumption that San Jose's forecheck is more about retrieving the puck rather than taking the man? Yeah, I think both teams are speed skill. Yeah, you're, and that's, you're, that's what Pittsburgh do. They're on the guy right away. Not necessarily on the guy like I'm I'm trying to pile drive you through the boards, but I'm on you. You're gonna make this play that you don't wanna make. You're gonna chip it when you don't wanna chip it, and we got a guy waiting for it because we're systematically looking to do these things. And I think both teams do it well. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I would give a slight slight advantage to, to Pittsburgh on the forward front. Just because, well, it's tough. I mean, Thornton... You feel like their depth's a little bit better. It's pretty much, I think, where we're both headed. Yeah, they don't have Nick's balling. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Well, look at their third line, quote-unquote third line. Can San Jose match that? No. And that, that's why if Pittsburgh struggled to get sort of Geno or Sid going, it's why I think Pittsburgh could condense their lineup and, and throw those two together. Like, here's my point. Is HBK significantly worse than Thornton, Pavelski, Hurdle? And, and, and I'm going to say place. Thornton, Pavelski, Hurdle is better than HBK. But is it like super significant gap? I don't no, know. Not, I don't yeah. think there's like a huge gap. I would I would tend to say that San Jose has the advantage there. But that's like San Jose's big punch. We haven't even talked about a Crosby Malkin line behind that. And that that's why I think they should be comfortable condensing the lineup a little bit and doing that more often than they have. And I understand why they are reluctant to do it against Tampa because Tampa could definitely roll three, three aggressive lines. Um, 
so they wanted to make sure that they 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 kept them um, concerned they might get scored on. That makes perfect sense to me. But um, I don't think San Jose have quite that same range of depth, um, and therefore. Because of that, Pittsburgh could try and condense them up and try and maximise the output you get out of Crosby and Malkin. So that's the forwards. Um, Defence-wise, I, I think there's some unique comparisons. Ultimately, I think San Jose probably has an edge here. But we have... Oh, actually, I think they have a substantial edge, to be honest. Okay. So we have Chris Letang... And Brent Burns. I think they wash each other out. Yep. I think they're both awesome, pretty much, right? Yep. No argument there. So the other the other guy on the top pairings, Brian Dumoulin, Paul Martin. Well, I think Pittsburgh's best hope is that Brian Dumoulin is the next Paul Martin. But he's not there yet. But Paul Martin is Paul Martin, so exactly. advantage <laughs> Paul Martin. Um, so that's that. And then you have Mark Edward Vlasic just sitting there, and he's better than Ali Mata yeah, by a lot. I, yeah. And Mata was benched, came back. He was great in game six and seven, or, or much improved. But Vlasic is awesome. I think I think the Sharks' top three defensemen have a sizable edge. You think that it drops off pretty steep after that, though? I take it. I I don't know if it drops off steep, but I I think Pittsburgh's does too. I think Braun's okay. Dil, Dylan's probably struggling a bit. I don't know. I don't. I don't like either teams. Well, it's why I it's why I think whatever happens with the bottom pairings and the fourth lines in regards to um, where the mistakes are made and what time of the games the mistakes are made by those lines will be the difference in the series. So, you know, and when I when I say that, it, it's like you know, Thornton gets out there against Cole and Schultz, and one of the two defenders misses it uh, misses an assignment. Someone walks in and scores a goal. So really well done by San Jose to get that matchup and, and really well done by those elite-level players to make the most of, of the matchup. But fundamentally, it's an error by the lower-level players of, of the Pittsburgh Penguins that cost them that goal. And, and vice versa for, for San Jose in that situation. I think it's going to be the, the fringe elements of the rosters that affect the outcome of the game. Not because... The superstars don't do what they're supposed to do. It's just that they're going to make um, either great plays or egregious errors, and they usually all get cancelled out. I mean, Ben Lovejoy playing, at least for me, better than I thought he would. But that just, Cole, that yeah. Cole Schultz pairing, I mean, I don't, I don't carry high confidence there. No, I don't either. They they look like a time bomb waiting to go off, to be honest. But I think the Sharks have a bottom pairing with the time yeah. bomb waiting to go off. Yep. But I do exactly. think their top three weigh more favorably than Pittsburgh's top three. 
It's, it's one of those things where if Chris Letang plays the best hockey of his life these next seven games... Brent Burns can match him, though. I mean... that, that, no, that's exactly what I was about to say. Brent Burns just cancels that out. And so then it ends up becoming a 5-on-5 five five argument in regards to the depth. And as you filter it down, if even if Brian Dumoulin plays the best out of his life and Paul Martin plays the best out of his life, they cancel each other out as well. Wow. And he gets a Mark Edward Vlasic... And that's where the big difference starts to come in because you're looking at Vlasic. Well, there's the thing. Vlasic isn't, like we've mentioned him as three. He's the second He's best defenseman on the team. It's just that Paul yeah. Martin happens to be Burns' partner. Yeah. And he's also, did he make the Canadian team? Who? Burns? Vlasic. Him and Burns. Yeah. So that, that's, that's what Pittsburgh are competing against is that level of defenseman. And they've technically got... Two elites there, whereas, oh, I suppose Tampa Bay had two elites, just the strong one was coming back from injury. So you, you get there with it, and it's like Victor Hedman really caused Pittsburgh problems. So if oh, Sarah's how like, good was he? He was yeah, I awesome. I like, know. Super awesome. Great. <laughs> I was yeah. so impressed. Like, some of those passes he made backdoor that just didn't click, like, so cerebral. I, I was super impressed with Victor Hedman. I like I, he. I like the way he, like he's a giant out there, right? And it doesn't look like he's moving that quick, but it's because his skating stride is so fluid that he, he doesn't have to work. He doesn't waste energy looking like he's trying to go fast. He's just quick. Yeah. He's just really good to watch. And he's. it's a little bit like Sedano Chari in that his stick is so long, you think you buy him, and the next minute he's taking the puck the other way. Like he's so much fun to watch. Um, as much as it might suck for Tampa to lose Stamkos, you well, need maybe. to... They may not. They know, I know. They might lose him, but they need to keep Hedman. That's just the reality well, I of think, it. I think they know that. I know they know that, but you sit there, and he was just so much fun to watch. Like, watching that Game 7 delayed, I could appreciate what Tampa would... Like, certain players in Tampa were actually doing, and he was just so much fun to watch out there. But he's done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God he's done. And now we get Chewbacca. <laughs> who's, Look, the reason who's just as fun, if not more. I mean, I love Brent Burns. It. He came to Australia last off season. Did he? Yeah, there's a, a concussion sort of uh, series that goes around called Stop Concussions, and players come down here, and it's Canada versus the US. They do all the cities, and he came down He's last probably looking year. for more animals. Well, it's a very good chance. He went to every city but mine. <laughs> he, he, Sorry. <laughs> he flew back to he flew, flew back to Vegas for the awards, and like I was so excited to watch him play, and then I've like looked at the rosters, and it's like, where'd he go? And then it's like, you know, he's in Vegas for the awards. I was so pissed off. Gretzky's coming this year. Wayne? Yeah. Ah, Wayne's a good guy. He's only doing Sydney, though, apparently. But, yes, Brent Burns is going to be fun to watch. It will be interesting to see how they deploy him, whether they... Uh, That's the thing that I'm going to enjoy most about this, is seeing all of the, the graphs and stuff after the game and actually... 
looking at how players were deployed and, and, and how those matchups worked out for either side and whether the next game they change and, and just to see that flow of, of what happens and, and whether a coach gets stubborn with a particular matchup even though it's losing. Yeah, definitely. Do you see um significant advantage either way with goaltending? I think it washes, you know. I mean, I would have said Bishop had the edge over Murray. They lost Bishop. Uh, you can definitely say that Vasilevsky outplayed Murray in the series, but he was forced to do that. If um, I, I, There are times you get to this time of year, I think goaltenders who get more volumes of shots play well, just full stop. So, you know, Martin Jones hasn't had to face many 30-shot games, I think, through the entire conference run. So... If they can keep the shot totals against Pittsburgh to below 30, I, I think Martin Jones will be successful. But if if Murray has to have those sort of 30-plus save games, I, I can see him sort of doing a Vasilevsky as well. I can also see him being shelled and, and being crushed. But it is one of those things where Jones has handled not having a high volume of shots very well. Yeah, I think it's a wash for the most part. Nice to see new blood doing well. Well, it's nice to see new teams in this thing. Like, we don't have Chicago in there again. We don't have LA in there again. I know it's been a rotating door over on the east, but it is nice to just see a whole new, fresh sort of group coming through. Yeah, it's been seven years for Pittsburgh. Yeah. It doesn't... It's, it's crazy to say that. It, it's been seven years. But I think I said it on the last podcast. They win this Stanley Cup. They've won two in the seven years. It's the same as what LA have won in that time. So this whole nonsense that Pittsburgh have underperformed, you can sort of cut a little bit off that edge. I think the thing that I noticed was the Crosby-Malkin era have made it to more Stanley Cup finals than... yeah. Yeah, you wrote Yager, and that's strange to think about. Like, you think the two cups, yeah, but they've also made it to one more Eastern Conference final. Yeah. Which, they take a lot of crap. They really do. I I think they probably always... And look, until you probably get to the Joe Thornton age where people start to realize how absolutely awesome you were and still are, I think they're both going to cop it. People just seem to think that they've been underwhelming, but their points per game in the playoffs is remarkably high. It's that whole... Who said in Gino? Yeah. Yeah, but remarkably high, they're one and two of active players. (laughs) Yeah, but what are they, seven or eight in in the context of everybody else? Like, that's still remarkably high. Um, uh, yeah, considering goaltenders actually stop pucks now. Yeah, true. But you do you do have to look at it and go, what more do they have? Is the second cup going to get people off their back, or are people going to get there and go, well, they still should have won it back nah, in second this cup year? Will get or, people off their back. You know, because it's a validation. Yeah, it it would get people off their back. So say Pittsburgh lose this series, and well, actually, I'll rephrase that. 
Say San Jose win this series, and you know why I've changed the way I've said that. Yep. Are people still going to get all over Crosby and Malkin? So they might play well, but San Jose just play better. Are they still going to get all over their back because they, quote-unquote, because the way they like to word it, because everything is black and white, choked in the play? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can't see Crosby and Malkin playing poorly. I, I can see San Jose playing great. Yeah. No, it doesn't change it for me. I just think, yeah, I, but to your point, yeah, some people try to take that ball and run with it. Because if, if San Jose get this far and they fall short, that's going to be what's thrown on Marlowe and Thornton again. Shouldn't be thrown on either play. team. Both these teams are mint. They are. They really – and. We watch this for entertainment, and they do provide entertainment. So that's probably the, the, the awesome thing for me. Yeah, we do. We really think the Stanley Cup Finals gonna commence, and Joe Thornton's not gonna find the score sheet. <laughs> I mean, come on. No, oh, it's just you. Just you never. This is the thing. Like you, you never know what's gonna happen, but you do get there, and then you wonder what people are going to dump on certain players for either performing up to standard or not to standard. That's all. So, who do you think is going to win this thing? I don't, I don't know. I'm going to say Pittsburgh will win because I want them to. That's it. I, I honestly don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a feel for, for who's going to win this because there's going to be, like the Tampa series for Pittsburgh – you're going to get ridiculous highs and then ridiculous stress levels because they lose games they shouldn't or make lineup decisions they shouldn't, all those sorts of things. So I've no idea who's going to win. I'm just going to be riding the emotional train of please let it be Pittsburgh. <laughs> so I'm with you. I'm going to pick Pittsburgh. I, I picked them to win it all on my bracket. So I don't know why that would change now. But it's a pick'em series. I'm going to go with Oscar. With what? Micah's thing. Micah's, Micah's oh, okay. Micah's... And what, what's Oscar, his system Oscar, say? I think, has Pittsburgh's likelihood of winning it. I think it's over 50% now because there's only two teams left. But right at the very, very start of it, I think it was down to Pittsburgh, I think, was the highest percentage out of all the 16 teams. So, so far, Oscar has been right. So I'm sticking with Oscar. I'm going with Oscar, too. um, (laughs) Yeah, it's a pick'em series, though, as far as I'm concerned. Did you feel last year was a pick'em series, or did you feel Chicago just had it? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I probably would have picked Chicago. Because I only say that because you get two really good teams to this point of the year... You hope it's a coin flip in a sense that you want it to go to a game seven and then you want the team that was the best team on that night to win it, right? So you don't want to have a team that dominates the other team and then a lucky bounce lets the team that got dominated win. So I hope that we get a series that sort of reflects that. You get two good teams that go backwards and forwards during the game, backwards and forwards through the series. You get to a game seven and then... You know, praying that it's Pittsburgh that plays best in Game 7 and wins it, awesome. But if San Jose get there in Game 7 and dominate Pittsburgh, I'd like to see the team that dominates the game win it. 
Well, maybe not. I'd like Pittsburgh to do it the wrong way. But you know what I'm saying. So what you're saying is the Hockey Hurts podcast. The two hosts are endorsing Pittsburgh. Funny that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think we both acknowledge that equal chance of being wrong. Yeah. 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 Respecting of the both teams. We love both teams. And to be honest... If, if San Jose won, it's like, yay, Paul Martin, yay, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, Brent Burns. Like, there are guys there that, that have copped a truckload of flack through their career purely for being good, but perception being they've underperformed in key moments of their careers. It's like, that. I'd be okay with that being the case. I don't need an excuse to cheer for Paul Martin. <laughs> I know that. Oh, I know that. <laughs> Between his on-ice hockey play and his musical taste, Paul, Paul's the man. Oh, Jesus. We're not going to go through this again, are we? Oh, yeah. Paul, Paul <laughs> knows his music. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> so, with that said, moving away from the Stanley Cup final... World Cup rosters. Oh, my Where God. Do, which country do we want to start with? Let's just get it over with. Start with the U.S. Go on. What fucking dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> what up? All right. So here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to preface this with a lot of good. USA hockey is awesome at the youth level. Um the younger kids, they, they've abandoned having the kids play full ice hockey. They've they've kind of embraced playing in one zone so more kids get more touches with the puck, building skill, um, all that kind of stuff. Like yep. I think they're doing marvelous on that end. The top end of USA Hockey is fucking incompetent. This roster selection is complete feces. It's <laughs> a polite way of putting it. It's very technical. Yeah, they're dog shit. Really. That's better. Yeah. Um, do they have a dream sequence to pick Jack Johnson this time around as opposed to the last time around? Like, they picked Eric Johnson and Jack Johnson, right? They, they went double Johnson. Yeah, Tyler Johnson is the one that should have been on the team. I I don't under look. I don't understand Ryan Murray being on that defense. Like, I can take that. (sighs) Phil Kessel not on the team. Fuck right off. (sighs) Fuck off. Are you telling me Phil Kessel? Does that make Team USA better? And 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 if you get to that conclusion, and they have the ability to submit the roster today, you're watching Phil Kessel in the 2016 NHL playoffs. He's closer to winning a Conn Smythe than Team USA is to to winning a medal. Yeah, you didn't even say roster. golf. You just said medal, full stop. And I agree. 
Oh my I don't, god, I'm so offended to be It's the it's the disconnect from that like that whole junior system you were talking the youth system you were talking about. Yeah, they so, do they they do wonderful things. So the disconnect between there and then it's NHL management here. So well, if you have it's a look at Lombardi, the same day that they they neglect to, to put guys like Phil Kessel and Justin Falk and 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 other Kevin Shattenkirk. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, those guys. They stripped the C from Dustin Brown, who has like six more years on his. Dean Lombardi. Dean Lombardi. I mean, how many faux pas does this guy need? Oh. Yeah, I know. I just you get there and look at it, and you go, you've got Dean Lombardi who has a coach like Daryl Sutter. Then you go, you've got Dean Lombardi who has a coach like um, John Tortorella. And, and there's a correlation there between the way both those coaches like the game to be played. If there is any hope of this tournament doing well, the officials need to let the players play in the sense that you need to let the skills shine. So if there's hooking and holding the interference... <laughs> Team USA is a prayer. That, no, they need it to be fucking prison rules. That No, but that's my point. If they even shift away slightly from what the NHL call regularly and make it, I'll use a, an over-exaggeration here, make it all-star rules in the sense that you just can't touch anyone, then you get there with it and it's like, USA are fucked. They, they just they they are. No matter how the game's called, they went with fucking grit bullshit. I'm... I'm on Team North America under 23. I can't you know believe, how many people... I cannot believe, cannot, cannot, cannot believe that I'm not behind USA Hockey. That's mind-blowing to me. Like, oh, I coach, I coach at the high school level, and uh, they're, <laughs> they're, they're fucking bullshit. It must feel like 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 you're in the system, if you know what I mean. Like you're I'm not in the USA team. hockey system anymore. I haven't coached um, Traveler House in a while. It's been about ten years. I focus more on high school, which is um, um, New York State, more so than US. It's it doesn't fall under New York, or uh, I'm sorry, it doesn't fall under USA hockey. But like, you know, I. I see the practices. I see all that stuff. I, I'm very proud of the work that's being done. The, the youth level of USA Hockey and the, and the shifts that they've made make total sense. They're, they're doing great work. But as far as these big international competitions, they're fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because of the people that run it like that's the thing like there is a massive disconnect between usa hockey building and then nhl guys going no fuck your system we're going to do it our way and we're going to build a roster around what we think is going to win um now look we could have egg on our face come october but i doubt it I, i can't see i can't see that roster being able to keep up with the other teams in 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 the competition. The under twenty three team is better than the USA roster. And Matt I can't Murray wait to watch that. I I'm I cannot wait to watch the under twenty three team. They look really good. Could be a little embarrassing when you think about it. 
On what planet does Phil Kessel <laughs> what name a country where Phil Kessel does not make the team better? Maybe Canada. Maybe Canada. Yeah, and that's a that's certainly a big not the fucking United States. <laughs> Ryan Callahan. Once again, apologies to the local community. Justin Abdelkader, David Backies, Dubinsky. Like Van Riemsdyk, Van Re- like Van Riemsdyk was his fucking teammate in Toronto. <laughs> Literally in the same situation as him, and didn't even sniff the numbers. Oh well, he's a left-hander on the left wing. I, I, I feel very happy right now that I don't have as much skin in this particular game as what you do. You can tell that, you know, obviously you you help kids become hockey players and get better at it and stuff like that. Like, it must be so frustrating when you see the top end of you developing players and then you see this, basically good players not getting rewarded for, for being good at what they do. Like, I can understand the frustration. USA Hockey is going to overtake Canada eventually just because of... Um, Population. Yeah, I- exactly. And it's going to happen sooner than most people think. But we need to rid ourselves of the, the, the Brian Burks, the Dean Lombardis. Um, who else was in on this decision-making process? Who Who makes the decision to hire those people to run this, though? I don't know. Rid them. Get rid of them. The, the only reason I ask is that are they also responsible for what happens in the youth? Because, like you said, you're, you're really happy with how the youth side of things is running yeah, along. Yeah, so yeah. If these are the same people that are organising that, so then why the fuck are they getting it so wrong at, at the elite end? That's the bit that I'm, I'm trying to understand. Maybe it is two different units, you know what I mean? It's two different groups of people, and that might explain that problem. But, yeah. Oh, man, this USA team looks like shit. (laughs) I'm offended. I noticed. Phil Kessel isn't on this team. (laughs) Now, as a Penguins fan, I'm like, ah, well, you know, he'll, you know, he's, he's got a lot of time off. He'll just drink out of the Stanley Cup, I guess. I know. As a Penguins fan, it's not a bad thing. Oh, it's just... Hey, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. What what country is Corey Schneider from? U.S. He's on the team. Right. So why is it that I'm looking at this list? Am I looking at the wrong list? I must be. Yeah, Schneider's on the team. He should be the starter. Probably. Dean Lombardi would probably have quick fucking start. Yeah. Yeah. They got two Johnsons on this team, and none of them are the right one. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand how... Jack Johnson, are you... F- oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you this man. is just, like... Play the Benny Hill music. That's a chicken dance. Never mind. <laughs> you can tell that um, we've recorded this podcast very late on the East Coast time. 
<laughs> but the Benny Hill music would apply to the um, Jack Johnson selection. You know what? Stinks. You're right. Jonathan Quick will probably start. <laughs> probably. Corey Schneider is the guy. And, and to be perfectly honest, Corey Schneider made an argument that he should have been in the Vesna as opposed to Quick. Like, yeah, oh, definitely. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to get there, and Corey Schneider is going to want to get there and cut someone's Achilles tendon in practice. Stop taking everything from me. Corey Schneider is going to go down as one of the most unfortunate careers of all time. <laughs> exactly. He had to deal with the Vancouver nonsense, none of it, none of it being his fault. Between Luongo and him being very good. And then he gets shipped to New Jersey, who's just blah. But he's he's great, and he wins them a lot of games, but he's never, never been able to make a run. So. And not really his fault. It really has been what's going on in front of him. Schneider is the best U.S. goalie. I don't know. And how, that, mu- how much longer do you want me to talk about Team USA? Because they're, they're, they're bullshit. Well, if we don't talk I'm about I'm not even rooting that. for them. I'm, I'm on record. I will not root for this team, and I don't even care the, the, the negative feedback I get from this. I'm on Team North America 23 and under. Because um, this roster construction is just gross incompetence. And, and I think that people need to make a stand and say, you know what, USA Hockey, could you stop fucking up? Could you stop taking role players and just take the most skilled? Because we got some really cool skilled players, but you, you just have to have these penalty-killing specialists. And just stop. Stop with it. Ah. You're not the first person that I've read that's just off, and they're on board with the under, with the Team America, Team North America. They're on board with that. Team They've done the same. America, fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot funnier coming from the South Park guys. Oh, that was brilliant, though. That's good call. Very good call. Much funnier on that front, but not so funny on this front. Not if you're as invested in it as... Like, I, this is probably the thing that I like about these tournaments for me. I have no investment in any of the teams. None. I don't have that nationalistic problem with any of these things. I don't know if I'll ever be alive by the time Australia actually gets a chance to play at a at an Olympic tournament or something like that. So now you, you get Now with global warming. We could create hockey rinks, man. Yeah, you just can't just pick the ice from for you. What was that? It's just going to get warmer for you. It's warming up already. But it is one of those things where I get there and I'm not having to have, uh, not having a a heart involved in any of these teams. I just want to see quality players out in the ice. And that Team USA team doesn't do that. Yeah. 
trying to think of some vulgar things to say, but I think I've said them all. Speaking of vulgar, do you want to talk about the Vancouver Canucks? Well, before we get to that, and we will, Jim Bennett, <laughs> we will. Um, Canada's roster. Awesome, because how could you fuck a Canada roster up? Well, you can but try. But they kind of did. P.K. Subban and Chris Letang aren't on it. Because automatic lock Shea Weber is on the team. Oh, man, that's so maddening to me. Does any of it make sense? Well, Weber and Marzen are probably the two that I would replace with the two guys that you mentioned. That would be what I would do. And it's not like Latang's a liability defensively, and it's not like um, Subban is a liability defensively. Where they become a liability in situations is they try to do too much, and then they turn the puck over. When you're playing in a tournament like this, when you've got other guys that you don't have to carry, I can't see them making those sorts of turnovers. Like, you look at some of the stuff that Latang has done in the in the Eastern Conference Finals, he's made some pretty bad errors, but it's because he's trying to do too much. He doesn't give the puck off to his teammate when he should because he feels like he can't do that. What are you going to do? If you're Chris Letang, are you not going to pass the puck to Drew Doughty? For a release valve? Like... Uh, I cannot believe Subban and Letang are on the outside. Like, Shea Weber gets his free pass. And it's... Weber's not a bad player. I'm not suggesting no, he's a bad player. I, I, think, not... I, I think you're so right in interrupting to say that because Shea Weber isn't a bad player by any stretch. But he's he not does this good level things, player. But the, the perception that he's a, a lock to be a top-pairing right defenseman and you're telling Chris Letang and more so P.K. Subban to stay at home? I mean, what fucking planet are we on? To, to, to emphasize the point for you in regards to just picking the best players, tell me what's in common with all of these players for Team Canada. Bergeron, Carter, Crosby, Getzlaff, Giroux... Sagan, Stamkos, Tavares, Taves, Thornton. What's the thing that's the, the consistent thing with all those players? I have no idea. They're all fucking centers. What's it got to do Every, with the demon? What, what I'm saying is, that you know how you were asking that, why the hell don't you, Team USA, select their best roster, right? Just the best skilled players. There are going to be players that are playing out of position. Team USA have gone, no, let's make sure we've got guys that can do this skill set. No, let's make sure we have a penalty-killing specialist. Nobody in the world could possibly kill a penalty. But that's that's the thing. It's like the only place I can see that Team Canada is kind of fucked up here is the fact that they've feels like they've just gotten lazy and just gone, yeah, we'll pick Shea Weber without actually doing any any deep deep look at what he did this year in regards to what he provides and what he offers. Whoever plays with Shea Weber will be carrying him 
in the context of he will, I think he's probably the worst defenseman out of everyone that's in there. Because you know Dowdy will play with Muzzin. And do well. Because mm. Drew Dowdy's exactly. really good. Yeah. That was the toughest thing about the season. Like, the, the, the Dowdy argument for the Norris and all that. Yeah. Like, you get into these arguments and it's... You're trying to tear the other side down. But in reality, well, like, it's... Both these guys are really good. I, 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 I've tried my hardest not to talk players down when we have those one-on-one decisions to make between players. It's more about trying to talk up the positives of the other guy. But when people go, that's still not enough, you have to, you have to point out the negatives of the other person's game. And it's like... There are so few of them on all of these level of plays because they're so good. That's why they are where they are. That it does, you do get there, and it does feel like you're putting this guy in the barrel of the gun, going, "Well, you're no good." Yep, agreed. Which is ridiculous. Is there any other crazy World Cup stuff you got to get out? No, Yeager didn't make it. I just thought I'd mention it. He decided not to go. I know they said that he didn't get invited, but I'm sure they called him and he said no thanks. Who? JJ. Jack Johnson? Gary Yeager. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I know. It's not a podcast. It's not a Hockey Hurts podcast without a mention of J Squared. I love him so much. I know. I know. <laughs> Oh, man. Childhood idol. Him and Mario. So blessed. So blessed. And and yes. to have the Penguins make one more final than that era. That's, you know, something that's been lost, I think. Yeah. You're going to hear me argue that. It's, it's, I suppose it's the thing that frustrates me the most about the criticisms that they do cop. Is that you know Mario the Mario and Yeager era was considered awesome in this city, yet these guys have done more than that era, and sort they of, don't sort get of. any respect. They're a championship short, which they could change in the next two weeks. But I still find it super impressive with the parody now, what they've yeah. done. So yeah. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Um, Vancouver? <laughs> oh, man. God bless you, Canuck fans. <laughs> that trade was an abomination. Right? Okay, so let's look. Let's try and look at it from the point of just visual hockey just the whole let's not worry about numbers let's just look at what each player brings and the only thing I can see that involves Vancouver getting something out of this is a big defenseman big physical defenseman mm-hmm. that's it I, I can't see anything else that makes me go yep this is this is going to work this is going to be what you want I, I just I don't get it I really don't then you get there and go to the numbers, and it's like, what the fuck? 
No. Jim Benning? No bueno. <laughs> it's like, all right, this guy's going to make his choices. And it's one less team the league has to worry about. Well, you just take the Travis Yost theory and just try to rip him off in every trade. I'm not so sure what they have left. That's a very good argument. Oh, yes. Okay. You, you do make a very good point there. Like, not even from a Pittsburgh point of view. What, what do they have left that would be like, oh, my God, I need that? Well, you can't take this. You can't split the sedines. So you sort of screw. No, I don't there. even count that ever. So I don't know where you'd go on that roster. I mean, Brandon Sutter is a tradable asset for reasons unbeknownst to me, but he's now got a new contract. He's not going to go anywhere. So I don't know what they've got left to move that people would want. <laughs> I have no idea. Just be thankful that old man Rutherford didn't do this. He did a good job this year. He did. He really did. But I don't... I Like, you get there with Vancouver, and have you seen a team fall so quickly? Boston. Didn't feel like this, though. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess not. Like that's a lot. It's that's a big ass rebuild from where they are because they think they're going to make the playoffs, right? Vancouver. Yeah. I think they did. And so, whatever decisions they're going to make over the next. Six months is going to be trying to do that. It's not like it's not like it's it's not like Buffalo and Toronto who have gone. All right, let's intentionally be bad and be bad and get a good draft pick. Vancouver aren't trying to do that. There's a very good chance they're going to whack themselves in that ten to fifteen draft pick. Yep. That's the bit that I don't get. But that's reality. <laughs> Anything else? I don't think so. I think we're good. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> we went so, um, quite the hiatus without a podcast, and now we're twice in two days or close to that. Hey, schedule works. Why not? Yeah. So... I think we're both very excited for the Stanley Cup final, regardless of result. I, 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 I'm pumped for it. I have no problem with San Jose winning. No, but it would be great as Penguins fans if the Penguins did. I mean, I think everyone sort of acknowledges that. We're going to have a bias that way. But how the San Jose win, it's, that's perfectly fine. Oh, there's one thing I did not mention. Yes. So... Um, as a means of trying to, to to figure out who's playing well entering the playoffs, I, I usually like to take the last 20 games of the score adjusted Fenwick, yes? Yep. I'm going to list off the top 
five teams in order of the the best score adjusted Fenwick teams of the last 20 games. L.A., Pittsburgh, St. Louis, San Jose, Nashville. Where was Tampa in that list? They were like 14. Wow. So, well. But what I'm going to add to this, is there any correlation you see between these teams? They have the puck? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, they're top <laughs> five. Sorry. <laughs> No, what is it? So, San Jose beat L.A. Yeah. San Jose beat Nashville. So they have to lose to the San Jose beat St. Louis. San Jose may run the gauntlet of the top five teams. Shit, you're exactly right. Being one of them, if they win the Stanley Cup, they will have beaten the top four other than themselves possession teams leading into the Stanley Cup. And I think that's super impressive because I think yes. that's, that, that's a, a quality marker of a team entering the playoffs. That's amazing. Like, just you say that out loud and that's just incredible. L.A. being one and them knocking them out in the first round set it all into place. But if you're a Penguins fan, you have to kind of be like, okay, well, we're number two on this list. And, you know, San Jose is good. Pittsburgh's good. This this is going to be good. It's brilliant. And that's – you get there with this and you see that the the, the last four teams that were left, um, it it felt to me as though the teams were – Probably St. Louis is a little bit less, but it was more about skill having the puck and making plays than it was about bump and grind. Right? Mm-hmm. So here, here's hoping that the league is a copycat league and they start pushing in that direction. But it's going to come from management. Management has to change. You have to stop having this, these you know, ancestral rehires and hires of people that had jobs elsewhere in the system and start looking outside the system more than teams are. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But it looks like, as always, as I said in the last podcast, they're like a steamboat. It's a slow move to go from one direction to another. So just to recap, you have Team USA winning the World Cup. I don't know if I had that, but I definitely had them doing... <laughs> I have them losing to the under-23 team. But Stanley Cup final, we're um, both Pittsburgh. Yes. Well, if, yeah, if Pittsburgh had got all the way through as the underdog and was heavily outweighed by whoever it was I playing, I'd still pick Pittsburgh. I just can't separate brain from fandom in this situation. I just can't I do am. it. So, yes. I'm separating it. And I know. You, you do a much better job of that than I do. <laughs> But I just can't do it. And, and, yeah, I hope it's Pittsburgh in seven. And just the fun of that will be awesome. Anything else? No, I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay. Well, guess what? There's a lot of you listening. 
300 gigabytes worth of listening. If you have disposable income, think about donating to the podcast. Could be as little as a dollar a month. Right? Exactly. So, patreon.com slash hockey hurts if you like the product that you've been listening to and you got a little spare change, we would appreciate it. Right? Yes, yes we would. Oh, no, definitely. I hate uh, asking for money. <laughs> yes, but, so do I. But, you know, what can we do? Yeah, ask away, and we ask every now and then. So if you can contribute, that would be great. If you can't, keep doing what you're doing, listening and enjoying. Yeah, we're putting this out there for you. I mean, that's not going to change, but hopefully if you think it's a, a quality product, you'll you'll donate. Patreon.com slash Hockey Hurts. That word quality could be the problem. Well, I think if they're listening to this point, right? Right? Yeah, we're, not putting so. it, we're not putting it at the beginning. No, that's true. Crazy you're still with us, I mean... We may have lost you now, but (laughs) but we're taking that chance. So (laughs) so (laughs) with that, apologies for the hiatus that had happened before. But now you've gotten two podcasts in what the last two days? Yeah, that's pretty great for us. Binge away. Between the two time zones, to, to work that out, we've, we've been pretty good. Yeah, I don't have a kid to deal with either, so you're doing pretty well. Yeah, you don't have three. That's true. I, I have a cat. Oh, wow. That Well, that, that makes it even. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> very, very even. <laughs> All right. So there's your Stanley Cup final preview. There are my... Um, Feelings about USA Hockey and our feelings about the World Cup rosters. Uh, Until next time, I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. Thank you.